And the key in tonight's text is comfort one another, and, uh, and the basis for that comfort is actually interesting, and I think very timely, as we consider what's going on worldwide right now. And um, I don't know about you, I just feel like, I just feel like things are winding down. I feel like there's just, uh, there's just unrest and there's chaos and we're just kind of begging for the end time events to happen. I mean, we're just kind of right there. And, um, and so this passage addresses that and the chapter ends, uh, the thought ends with uh, uh, comfort one another with these words. Uh, <clears throat> and um, uh, comfort yourselves together, uh, rather, um, uh, the, the previous chapter, chapter 4, comfort one another with these words. And, uh, uh, but 1 Thessalonians 5, look at, uh, we'll start in verse number 1. <coughs> Excuse me. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. And ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light, and the children of the day, and are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet of the hope of salvation." For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we be awake, excuse me, we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. So we're going to talk about comforting and edifying one another in the context of the day of the Lord coming. And uh, so let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us tonight as we look at these passages. Help us to understand your word uh, more perfectly. And, uh, and Lord, I pray the results of coming together and opening this blessed book, uh, we would have more comfort and uh, more hope that is in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we live in a constantly changing and, uh, uh, society and, uh, you know, almost every day on the news, especially in regards to the Middle East, we start seeing things going on and stirring, and we kind of wonder what's happening. And, and even in our own lives, our own circles, there seems to be just an increase of uh, people just personally experiencing pain, uh, uncertainty, heartache, natural disasters seem to be taken off all over the place and occurring constantly, whether it be earthquakes, uh, uh, hurricanes, tsunamis, wildfires. It seems like, where is it at this week? You know, what kind of natural disaster are we going to learn about this week? And, you know, all of us prefer comfort to pain. How have you ever had a root canal? You know, it's something, you know, you know the, the cause of it, you know, why I have to get this done is because I'm pretty much in pain. And, you know, many of you, if you're like me, you get there because you're finally at the place where you just have, you can't stand the pain anymore. So I'm going to go to the dentist. Now, the dentist, in the process, does not make the pain go away immediately. In fact, you're probably going to experience more discomfort for a moment. And, uh, but, you know, in that time, what do you want? You want it to be as comfortable as possible, right? Numb me up. Uh, I don't want to feel a thing. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's just what we, we, want to, we want to get as comfortable as possible. That's, that's just kind of life. But given the choices, we would almost always choose comfort over pain. But the reality of life is that pain is inevitable. Difficulties, things we're going to have to face. And when people go through trials in life, they turn to all kinds of uh, therapy for comfort. Uh, from shopping, 
to yoga, to drugs, to food. The choice of therapy may be different, but their aim is the same. They want to dull the pain. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people, they try to escape life by, by indulging, overindulging in things like social media. My escape, I remember as a teenager, was music. And, um, and I, just went to, I just entrenched myself in music all the time. And that was, that was my escape from the world. I just kind of had my, my, my own little world and my thought life. And here, here I am and leave me alone. And, and uh, it was my escape. And, uh, you know, we have, we have these different escapes. And sadly, many times in seeking comfort, people go to the wrong places. You know, as believers, as we talked about even in Sunday school this morning, we have the privilege of, uh, of having one another. These one another's that we're going through is to, you know, here we are to comfort one another. We are to encourage one another, edify one another, uh, pray for one another. We have to be involved in each other's life. But we also have the, the Holy Spirit with us, the, the, the Spirit of God within us. And he comforts us. That's his name. That's, uh, it exposes, really, his ministry. Uh, John uh, 14, 15, and 16, I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus there talking to his disciples and comforting them with this. And um, additionally, God has given us promises in his word. By the way, you know, I, I emphasize so much the infallible, inerrant word of God. And if you see the Bible as it is, in fact, the word of God, when you see these promises and you see what he's got for us, there is great comfort in that, that these are his eternal truths. These are the eternal, uh, the eternal words of the living God that he has given to me. And I hold on to it, and I take ownership of it. I buy the truth, and I sell it not. Uh, these are mine. Okay? I don't care what you do with your Bible. I'll tell you what I'm going to do with my Bible. All right? I'm going to own it, and I'm going I'm to make it mine. And There is great comfort in that. Uh, uh, God has given us enough of his plan, even. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Where, did, where do we find that? In the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. And those two definitely go hand in hand. But those promises, they comfort us. And today, this evening, we're going to look at a text that provides promises that God specifically says are there to comfort us, to be a comfort, to be a help to us. And uh, as, we, as we get into this, we want to start off with the, the believer's conviction. What, what should our convictions be as regards to some of these things? Because of the promises that God shares in this text, uh, we can have settled convictions that bring comfort to our hearts. What's the promise? The first, the first thing we see is the Lord's imminent return. The fact that He is coming again and He could come at any moment. We see that in the first five verses that, that uh, uh, it's going to be a sudden thing. It's going to come as a thief in the night. You know? And a thief, you can't really plan for a thief. You can't really plan, uh, you know, well, is He going to come today? Is He going to come daytime? Is He going to come nighttime? What's, what's going on? The idea is it's imminent. It's, uh, it's something that's going to come suddenly as a thief in the night. But then it goes on to say that we are the children of light, that is not uh, the false light of following that light within you, but, but it's the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit of God. We're the children of light. Uh, we've been brought from darkness to His marvelous light, and so it shouldn't overtake us in the same manner. Uh, by contrast, those who don't know the Lord sit in darkness. Psalm 107, verse 10 and 11. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in the affliction and iron because they rebelled against the holy words of God and contended the counsel of the Most High. Those that, that went against the Word of God, they, they're in darkness. Those that rejected, they're in darkness, and, and the day will overtake them as a thief. These are the people who need Christ. 
Isaiah 9, 2, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them that the, uh, that the light, excuse me, hath the light shined. When a person receives Christ as a Savior, he sees the light of Christ's glory and his salvation. He's enlightened. He's, he's, uh, he, you can say it this way, he has seen the light. He's turned from darkness to the light. This Christ spirit then dwells in him and becomes, begins to develop a new belief based on the Word of God. There's a, now a reprogramming, if you would, of the old philosophies and the old things and, and, and yielding to the truths of the Word of God. That's the person walking, uh, dwelling, if you would, in the light. Um, there is, uh, uh, this, is the, um, this is what takes place in the Christian's life. He, he, he grows, he begins growing and, and, and illuminating. And what, what, the, more, the more we grow, the more we understand the Word, the more confident we become in that Word. So what are the, the comforting truths the Holy Spirit reveals to the believer? Well, it reveals the imminent return of the Lord. Christ, uh, Christians believe that the Lord's imminent, uh, uh, imminent return, which is a great comfort, uh, comforting truth for us. This is a, uh, a wonderful truth. The Bible tells us that we are to look for the hope, uh, look with hope, rather, for the return of Christ. The Bible speaks of this as the day of the Lord, spoken in verse 2. It says, for ye yourselves, uh, or for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall so come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord refers to an extended prophetic time in which God finishes program with Israel, as well as judgment when He sent, uh, uh, will send uh, that, that brings this world uh, to an end. Uh, uh, parallel passage in Second Peter chapter three verse ten. It says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night." in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing that the, all these things shall be dissolved with uh, uh, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of, the, of God, uh, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You know, there's all this talk about global warming and everything, and, and the reality is they don't know how hot it's really going to get. It's, it's, it's going to keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter uh, as we come to, this, uh, come to the end. It's going to burn with a fervent heat, the Bible says. You know, uh, it, it's always fascinating how much of a difference a worldview makes when you consider what's going on. Uh, whether it be in the news, science, all these things, your worldview makes all the difference. You know, and they're talking about the temperature has gone up worldwide one degree. And in Alaska, it's gone up on average three degrees. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> and they're, they're panicking about this. I was like, you've never been to Alaska. This is a blessing, okay? And, uh, and but you know, the reality is uh, it's, it's going to get hot. But, you know, we look at it a little differently. Uh, we look at it from the, from the perspective of, you know, this world was not made to, or is not going to last forever. You know, I, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be good stewards of it, but I want to say our stewardship has not caused global warming. It's not caused the, these cycles. The, 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 it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it goes through cycles by its very nature. In fact, during the Roman Empire, they talked about this time period of intense heat. We had, had serious global warming in the Roman Empire. And really, it was because of all the smog those uh, chariots were putting off. 
you know, the car had not even been invented yet. And, uh, you know, we don't have as much of an impact as we like to think we do, you know. But, um, of course, there's more to it, and I'm not going to go into that right now. But, um, you know, several events are going to take place in what's called the Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord is really the grouping of the end time events. And, um, and they begin with the rapture of the church. By the way, I'm going to say this. The, the pre-tribulation rapture is a doctrine that is really, uh, it kind of goes through cycles and phases, but it's really under attack these days. More and more, as an increasing number of people that are, that are looking and interpreting Scripture as the church is going to go through the tribulation, uh, whether it be pre-wrath rapture, post-trib rapture, uh, uh, different positions, mid-trib. Um, there's about every brand or flavor you can think of. And a big part of it is, is not rightly dividing the word of truth. And here's what I mean by that is not answering the question, what is the purpose of the tribulation? What is it all about, and, uh, and who is it all about? And, uh, and really, it's rooted in replacement theology. When you've set aside Israel and the church becomes Israel, then guess what? The church is going through the tribulation. But if God still has a plan for Israel, and they're still part of God's plan, the church is not going through the tribulation. It relates to Israel. And, uh, and we'll all dive deeper into that later, at a later time, but... but um, these are the events that, take, that, 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 that are the day of the Lord, and they start with the rapture. Following the rapture, it kicks off a seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist will offer uh, peace at first, and this is going to be a relative peace. And when you kind of see what's going on around the world right now, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of going to this place, this, this area of unrest. We see, of course, what's going on in Afghanistan right now, and, and um, um, we, we, we see this kind of on a lot of fronts, right? They're pushing things on a global scale, whether it be this vaccine, whether it be uh, 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 the economy, right? We, the, you may, how many of you have heard the term the Great Reset? Okay, and some of the conspiracies surrounding that, which, anyways, they're going that direction. The Bible says so, right? The Bible talks about there's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be a one-world currency. There's going to be a one-world religion. We're going that direction. And, uh, and with that, there's going to be a lot of turmoil. There's going to be a lot of things that, uh, that there's just unrest, there is danger, and people are going to be crying out for safety and for peace. Even to the point of, take whatever you want as long as I'm safe and secure. Right? Sound familiar? Uh, our founders talked about that, Jefferson and, and Franklin and these others, and you know, talked about those that are going to sacrifice their liberties and freedom for safety deserve neither. And uh, that's the perspective that we have as, as born free Americans. But the reality is, if things get bad enough, people are going to, they're going to cry, you know, uncle, <laughs> I give up, just protect me. I want safety, I want peace. There's going to be a great cry for that. And the Antichrist, he's going to come to power with some answers. He's going to say, hey, guys, I can fix this. And, uh, and so that's what he's doing. He's going to, to, to offer this peace and safety, and then followed by sudden destruction, judgment, terrible wars and pain during the tribulation. Jeremiah 30, verse 7 through 9, Alas, for, the, uh, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. That's what the tribulation is called, the time of Jacob's trouble. Now what's Jacob's other name? Israel. Absolutely. But he shall be saved out of it, for it shall come to pass that in the day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off his, th thy neck, excuse me, and will burst thy bone, uh, bonds, and strangers shall no more serve them, uh, themselves of him. Uh, but they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. 
excuse me, Daniel 9.27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many uh, for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and, uh, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate. Even unto the consummation that is determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. <coughs> so Daniel's prophecy mentions it's going to take a week, one week, um, or uh, a seven-year period. Revelation 3.10, Because thou hast kept the word with my, of my patience, I will also keep them from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, and try them that dwelt upon the earth. We have the tribulation, followed by the second coming of Christ. The seven-year tribulation is followed by Christ's second coming, or his return. By the way, the rapture is not the second coming of Christ. Some people say, you know, well, it's second coming part one and part two. Uh, you know, um, no, I believe the rapture is the rapture, and the second coming is the second coming. And the two really are different when you, when you study them out in Scripture. The second coming is Christ's coming um, uh, to, to, to fight. He's coming, uh, Revelation describes him as riding that horse, and he's got a name on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he comes riding in with his, uh, with his saints, and, and, uh, and he's going to make war. And the double-edged sword proceeds out of his mouth, consuming the nations, and, and that's the return of Christ. That's the second coming. Uh, the rapture, he never touches down. Uh, we'll see him in the air. And, uh, but the second coming of Christ it follows the, the, ends the seven-year tribulation where he'll usher in his kingdom. Uh, at his first coming, he became a baby who, uh, who then took our sins on the cross. The day of his return is going to be a great day of his wrath when the armies of the world will come against the Lord in the battle of Armageddon. Believers raptured just before the tribulation will return with the Lord. Revelation 19, 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and him that sat on it was, it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and his, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, uh, that with it should smite the nations, and he shall rule with, them, with an odd, a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. What amazing descriptive language. Um, then the thousand-year reign on earth by Jesus Christ. The millennial reign is what we call it, Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw the thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus Christ and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither had his image, neither had received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And then, of course, the devil's final defeat, uh, Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, uh, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather, uh, them to, excuse me, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp and the saints about. And the beloved city and the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured, and devoured them. And the devil uh, that deceived them was cast in a lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then we have the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged of the things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Then there'll be a destroying and a renewing of the universe. Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 2 Peter 3, as we read earlier, verse 10 and 11, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are uh, therein shall be burned up, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And that leads to the eternal day of God. 2 Peter 3, verse 12 through 13, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on, on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Verse 2 of our text describes the timing of the day of the Lord. It says, as a thief in the night. Similar to a thief who cannot come, who can come at any time, day or night, uh, the day of the Lord is unknown and it is imminent. 1 Timothy 1.10, And wait for the Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 4.16-17, and 17, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead uh, in Christ shall rise first. That we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. By the way, I love that passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 when you put that side by side with Revelation 4. And it's almost the same wording as John is caught up. And the angel says to him, he says, I heard uh, the voice of an angel as a trumpet saying, come up hither. Here it says there's going to be a shout of an angel and a trumpet and we'll be caught up together. And um, anyways, uh, uh, I believe John in that passage is a type of the church after the seven letters of the seven churches, then John uh, expresses everything else from the perspective of heaven, and there's no more mention of the church again until the very last chapter. And uh, anyways, uh, just, uh, just some, some, some thoughts there. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 speaks of this rapture, rapture, this being caught up, this catching up the saints to meet Christ in the air. The Bible says that those who are alive and remain will be caught up to be with the Lord forever. Um, you ever, uh, you ever take one of those, uh, those uh, rolling magnets to like, pick up nails and stuff that fell in the driveway? If you're like me, you do all your work there where you park your cars. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, that magnet, uh, you know, why doesn't it pick up everything that it goes over? Why does it only pick up the nails? I'm sorry? Yeah, it only picks up the like metal, the, the metal that it's drawn to, you know, and, and really that's what the rapture is going to be like. Those that have the seal of God, the Holy Spirit of God, they're going to, as, as Christ appears, it's going to be like a magnet, and those that have that Holy Spirit are going to be drawn to our Savior, and we'll be caught up with Him. You know, as Christians, we have the conviction that the world is going to end according to God's design, and Christ is coming again to take us believers away, and this conviction that we uh, that we'll be spared from the wrath to come, be caught up away with the Lord, gives us comfort. Here in at the end of chapter four, it says, "Comfort one another." These words here in our text, chapter five, 
verse 11, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. And uh, now I'm going to say this. I do not believe in the pre-tribulation rapture because I don't want to go through the tribulation. There are a lot of saints throughout, throughout history, throughout the Bible, that went through great tribulation. Right? And what makes me better than them? I believe in it because I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And we'll dive deeper into that at a later time um, to establish a biblical timeline with all that. But, um, uh, but that's, uh, that, that's what we have. And again, if we, uh, if we had to go through it, by the way, there's enough scripture in the, in the Word of God for us to cling to uh, that will allow us, just like the martyrs of days gone by, like the martyrs, possibly it took place today. I've not seen the report or the news. But uh, uh, that we could willingly uh, go to the stake with the grace of God. But, um, but I believe it because I believe it's what the Bible teaches. In our text here, we're not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the imminent return of the Lord. We, have the, um, we also notice the empty promise of the world, of the world, of world power. Besides the conviction of the Lord's return, as a believer, we understand our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is not in governments. Our hope is not in uh, civilizations around the world. Um, um, the Bible says in verse number 3, For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Uh, when, when, when Christ takes the church away, the world leaders are going to say, Peace, safety. And um, uh, the, uh, the Antichrist is going to act as though everything is fine. Everything's okay. I know millions of people just disappeared. Everything's going to be just fine. You know, he's going to have an answer to that. And, um, you know, world leaders have made empty promises of peace in the past. As World War I, Woodrow Wilson said, it was the war to end all wars. How many wars have we had since then? All right, including a world war. Uh, that is what every great kingdom has said, from the Egyptian kingdoms to the Greek kingdom. Uh, they've said this. Uh, there were large kingdoms all throughout history. Uh, think of the Egyptians, uh, 1570 to 1070 B.C., the Assyrian, 911 to 609 B.C., the Babylonian from 605 to 539 B.C., the Persian from 539 to 330 B.C., the Greeks uh, from 330 to 63 B.C., the Roman Empire from 63 to, to uh, uh, B.C. to 476 A.D., the, the Mongol uh, uh, 1206 to 1368 A.D., the Ottoman Turkish 1299 to 1923 A.D., the British from 1500 to, six, uh, to 90, 1960, excuse me, the French uh, under Napoleon... Uh, uh, 1804 to 1815, the Austria-Hungarian, 1867 uh, uh, to 1918, and on and on. We have these great empires, and what has happened? They failed, every one of them, and they fell. World leaders are still trying to say, hey, peace, safety, let us take care of you, let us help you. I'm with the government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, you know, as believers, we, we understand that's not where our hope is. We're, we're looking for another kingdom. And we're awaiting another kingdom. And uh, just as uh, Abraham was looking for a, for a city whose builder and maker is God, so do we look for a heavenly. And uh, this world is not our home. When they're saying peace and safety in verse 3 of our text, it uh, uh, tells us that tribulation is a time of sudden destruction. The word destruction mean, uh, means death and ruin will come suddenly as travail upon a woman with a child. The, the, the Greek word translated as travail refers specifically to a woman in pain of childbirth. 
Jesus used the same word, Matthew 24, verse 8, when he translated it as sorrow. And he's referring to tribula the tribulation. By the way, Matthew 28 is about the tribulation, and it's not about the rapture. Um, that's a fun discussion, and those that believe the church is going to go through it, they like to go to Matthew 20, uh, 24. Um, but but um, additionally, the Greek equivalent for the phrase, the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, as we read earlier, is also speaks of this tribulation. But we have a conviction uh, uh, Christ is coming again, and we have a conviction that we ought not to place our hope in world leaders and what they're saying. But then we're cautioned in our text as believers. The Bible is clear that we're not to be a part of the coming destruction. God tells the church at Philadelphia in Revelation 3.10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the, all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Well, we as believers are spared from the wrath to come. We need to be ready for the return of Christ. His, God says it's, it's imminent, and, uh, and, and that ought to give us comfort and, uh, and, and partially also ought to caution us to live circumspectly, to be prepared for this. We ought to be, first of all, awake. Look at verse number 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse number 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. As believers, we need to be awake. We need to be looking. We need to be uh, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Paul talked about there's a crown awaiting for those who love His appearing. They're looking forward to it and they're awaiting it. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame, Paul said to the church of Corinth. He says, awaken to righteousness and quit messing around with your Christianity. There are lost people around you. And he says, and I speak this to your shame. The fact that they had not gotten the gospel message out, that they're playing with sin. And he says, he says it's time to start taking your Christian life seriously. And, and by the way, every day is a gift from God, and every day as we see things getting more and more crazy in the world, that ought to be a reminder to us. He's coming. He's coming soon. And our time is running short, and we ought to make an impact. We ought to do something uh, for the Lord while we can. God calls us to wake to righteousness, to be alert, to be ready for His coming. We need to redeem the time, live for Christ, share the gospel. Um, South Korea is a country that is uh, highly vigilant, prepared for emergencies. At any moment, North Korea could invade and, uh, and, 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 and attack South Korea. For this reason, the South Koreans live in a state of constant vigilance, and they're used to observing curfews and participating in emergency preparedness drills. In schools, students prepare for emergencies with evacuation drills. This is that level of alertness. He's coming again, and we ought to be ready and and, uh, and not, not a fear, but uh, of a desire to be ready. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> hear that trumpet and be like, Lord, hold on a second, let me live for you first, real, real quick. <laughs> Time's up. Um, not only are we called to be alert, but also to remain temperate. Verse 6 says, let us be sober, which means to be temperate, cir circumspect, calm, collected, sober-minded. When someone is drunk, he's not paying attention. He's unaware of his surroundings. His, his senses are dull. They're numb. He's not alert. You see, uh, you want to be able to overcome somebody, uh, you'd have a good target if it was a drunk person. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. He says, as believers, we need to be sober-minded. We need to, to, to have our senses sharp, prepared, um, and, uh, as opposed to, as it says they're uh, sleeping, being children of the dark. He says, you sleep at night. You're drunk at night. 
you know, people, people are asleep at night, they're drunk at night. He says, we need to be awake. We need to be the opposite of those things. Mark 13, verse 34 through 36, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man uh, his work, and commanded the, the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Father, let me just ask this. Uh, uh, what are some characteristics that you think would define a Christian who's living in readiness for Christ's return? What are some, some, some things you might think, find a Christian doing who's living in a readiness for Christ's return? I'm sorry? Faithful in prayer. Okay. In witnessing? Sure. I like how it said, awake unto righteousness, the one in 1 Corinthians. Awake unto righteousness. Yeah, start taking your walk seriously. It's coming again. We need to examine our lives to see if we're truly living in the light of Christ's return. These ought to be reminders for us. We are, we're commanded here to be awake, the caution. We're, we're cautioned to be prepared. The most important thing we need is to be sure, uh, need to be sure of before Christ's return is our own salvation. If you're, not, if you're not saved, you're not prepared. You're not ready. Verse 8, notice what it says there. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and, that, and for an helmet of hope of salvation, the hope of salvation. The preparation for us to put on, to be sober and to put on the hope of salvation. Preparation for Christ's return is to put on the breastplate of His righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Ephesians 6 talks of these, uh, verse 14 and 17. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It talks about these things. The, uh, it says to put on the helmet for the hope of salvation. And I love this. Hope means a confident expectation. When we talk about hope in the Bible... We're not sitting around with our fingers crossed. I sure hope Jesus is coming. No, no. It's an expectation based on the Word of God that He is indeed coming. So it's like, I know He's coming. Here's an example. Though it may not be as good an example in Alaska. When you order something on Amazon, and it says it's coming on a certain day, you can go stand at the curbside and wait for it, and it's going to come. That's how it's supposed to work anyways. In lower 48, it works like a charm, okay? A next day delivery. There it is. And we expect it. In fact, if it's a day late, we're making phone calls. Why? Because we had an expectation. If we believe the promises of God, He is more sure than Amazon. Okay? And so there's a hope there, a hope of salvation. Let me just say this. Are you sure in your salvation like that? These things are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, uh, uh, um, that you, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. A confidence, a hope. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We see the believer's conviction, the believer's caution, and then brings us to the point of this lesson, the comfort. You say, what was all this eschatology teaching about? Well, it's all to bring us to this point, that Jesus is coming again. And there's a comfort in that, a wonderful comfort in that, first of all, that we are preserved from wrath. <coughs> Look at verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, 
but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that not appointed unto wrath could be referring to the wrath of the judgment uh, at the judgment seat of uh, uh, at the great white throne judgment. But in its context, what's he talking about? The, the day of the Lord. It's talking about the return of Christ. It's talking about the tribulation, and, uh, and the previous chapter is talking about that. Uh, talks about that as well, and um, and this is this is that day of wrath. And uh, and the Bible says that we're not appointed to wrath. The word appointed means to to establish, to ordain, to set, to fix. We're not ordained. It's not planned for us uh, in God's plan uh, to to experience His wrath. By the way, where did the wrath of God go for us? On Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So you may experience some bad things in life, but guess what you're not experiencing? The wrath of God. And neither are you going to if you're saved. He poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ. I love that song, um, um, In Christ Alone. And there's a line in there that says, And on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful truth that is. It was absolutely satisfied. That's the description of propitiation. And um, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, uh, And to wait for His Son from heaven, when He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. We're preserved from wrath, but we're also promised an eternity with the Lord. And can I say this? I do not know how bad this life is going to get before we're raptured out of here. But we're not promised that we will not face persecution. There's been persecution in every generation since the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been so blessed in America that we really haven't seen it. But as bad as it could ever possibly get for you and I, we're still going to be with the Lord. No man can take my salvation away. I'll tell you what, that is a comforting thought. What's the worst they can do to me? kill me and send me to heaven? That's a comforting thought. This life is a vapor. And let me just say, any suffering we will face is a vapor as well. It may not seem like it as you're going through it. I remember how long nine weeks, ten weeks was of basic training. That was the longest ten weeks of my life. It was uh, purgatory. But I'll tell you what, it was a vapor. It was included in this life, which is but a vapor. And we will be with the Lord for eternity. By the way, if you live a good long life, let's just round up and say we all live to be 100. What is 100 in light of forever? We're going to be with the Lord for a long time. We have a wonderful promise of eternity with the Lord. Believer's comfort is not just that he's saved from wrath, but the blessed promise of spending eternity with Christ. Verse 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. To obtain it. Salvation. God's plan is not for us to experience wrath, but to receive salvation. We've been given salvation through Jesus Christ. We, we will receive deliverance from the tribulation when we were raptured and glorified with Christ. Verse 10 says, Who died for us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. What a wonderful truth. Again, uh, that, that He died for us, that we would live together with Him. Whether we wake, that means that we, we're still alive, or sleep, uh, have passed away. We will live with Him. Uh, for 2, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and will rather 
to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hey, what happens to the bo- uh, what happens to us after we die? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. There's no waiting. Uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus promised uh, to prepare a place for us with Him. Philippians three verse twenty and twenty one. And for our conversation, that's our lifestyle or our, our manner of living. Our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that, is, uh, that may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. And how many of you are looking forward to that? All these aches and pains are going to go away. Amen. And we're going to have glorified bodies. What a wonderful thought. And he's given us the promise of eternal life. We are comforted by this truth. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. With the promise of eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, believers can be comforted by this truth. Wherefore, talking about tying all these ideas, the end time events, the day of the Lord, all this craziness. Wherefore, because of all this, comfort the other believers. Comfort each other. Build each other up. And let me, let me just say, if I was lost... I don't know how I'd be able to handle the news. I'd be losing my mind right now. I'd be terrified. I'd be terrified of some mystery disease. I'd be terrified of, of, uh, of what the government's doing. I'd be terrified of, of all this uncertainty. What's going to happen? But I'll tell you what, as a believer, I'm actually getting really excited. I mean, I, folks, we are we're in some exciting times. Uh, whether the Lord turns things around or comes and takes us home, these are exciting times for sure. For sure, God instructs us to uh, come alongside. The word there, comfort, I love this. Uh, it's the word uh, parakaleo. Have you heard of the paraclete, the Greek word? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the comforter. Parakaleo is a verb tense of the comfort. Para means uh, come alongside, like a para, paralegal, right? Come alongside. Uh, uh, and the idea is coming alongside to comfort. It's the same title given to the Holy Spirit, but here it is in verb form. What are we to do? As believers, we come alongside each other to comfort. And we are to comfort one another, build each other up in this. God instructs us to come alongside one another and to comfort each other with these truths, with this confidence. It says this, how do we do it? We do it in a couple ways. We edify one another. The word edify means to build up, to establish, to promote growth. We edify the believers. How do we do that? With the Word of God. What are these precious promises? What does the Bible say? And we, we point to that. We do it by reminding ourselves. We remind each other that we serve God who comforts and cares for us. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. We remind ourselves, encourage ourselves with Scripture. We pray. We may not always be physically present, but we can always pray. Hebrews 13, 18, pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. We ought to remember the promises of His Word. Whereby, uh, 2 Peter 1, 4, whereby He gives unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We ought to give. We can comfort others by giving to needs. 
And that's anything, folks, from a simple cup of coffee and a conversation to, to actual physical needs that I might be able to be, be a help to. How do we comfort each other? We, we comfort with our things many times. Uh, uh, why? Because that pays the way to share my own confidence. Why, why am I at peace? Why am I uh, unmoved in this? But, uh, you know, life, again, is full of trials. And uh, whether it be the, exact, the immediate context of this passage with, you know, hey, the end is near. <laughs> Or people are just going through difficulties. Loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of whatever difficulties that we face. As believers, we have wonderful assurances from the Word of God that we can come alongside, we comfort one another with. And I want to say, the more you understand this book, the more confidence you're going to have in the God of this, bio, of this book and, and have comfort in that. Our hope brings about comfort. And we, uh, and we can rest in that. And so with that, as I'm strengthened, as I'm comforted, I can come alongside and comfort others who are in any trouble. And what a wonderful truth that is. Because we know the Lord may return any moment, we endeavor to live with a spiritual alertness, readiness to meet Him, being sober, being awake, and, uh, and knowing that we are saved and heaven-bound, the promise of eternal life, we comfort each other with these truths. And that is, as believers and as a church, what, a, what powerful truth that is uh, to, to, to be able to come alongside and help others. I've had many times in my life where uh, um, I've been able to share with people why I'm unmoved, why things aren't shaking me. In fact, just yesterday there was a, a, a warrant officer in the Army that I was on the phone with for a while, and he's freaking out. <laughs> Not only with what's going on in Afghanistan, but the fact they're going to be mandating the vaccine for, this, for the troops and, and, uh, and all this stuff. And he's, you know, he said, I did two tours in Afghanistan to help those people. He said, for what? What's going on right now? He's, 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 he's waking up. But you know what's interesting? He called me. I led that man to the Lord 16 years ago. And all these years later, he called me on the phone. And, uh, and he said, I remember when you led me to Christ. And, uh, and now he's needing some faith. And so what do you do? He says, what's the next step? How do I have some stability in all this craziness? You know what? I'm unshaken. I'm not saying I won't ever be shaken. I'm just saying I'm, I, I know whom I have believed. And, uh, and I'm able to share with somebody in just yesterday. And what a wonderful uh, thing, opportunity that is for us as believers. Workplace, friends, people that we're around. We have these opportunities. So, amen. Let's uh, have a word of prayer and then we'll uh, have some fellowship. Thank you guys for being here tonight.